You are listening to the Canadian Immigration Podcast, Season 1, Episode 15. With Citizenship and Immigration Canada making it increasingly difficult to speak to an officer, there are a few places to turn for information that can be relied upon. The Canadian Immigration Podcast was created to fill this void by offering the latest information on Canadian law, policy, and practice. Please welcome ex-immigration officer and Canadian immigration lawyer, Mark Holthy. As he answers a wide variety of immigration questions and shares practical tips and guidance to help you along your way. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Canadian Immigration Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Holthy, and I'm coming to you from the beautiful province of Alberta, Canada. This is Season 1, Episode 15, and in this episode, I had an opportunity to catch up with a good friend and colleague, Chris Veeman, who practices out of Saskatoon, um, Saskatchewan. Chris is a member of the Canadian Bar Association's National Executive Committee and has been involved with the recent rounds of changes that have occurred within our Canadian citizenship law. Now, many will recall that the Conservative government recently pushed through a number of provisions to make it more difficult to obtain citizenship. Then, once the Liberals came into power, they have now taken steps to unravel many of those changes that uh, were somewhat controversial and, I guess to some extent, uh, some people felt were unconstitutional. So, I'm going to have a chance to visit with Chris about that and to get his insight on these proposed changes that are coming out in Bill C-6. In the show notes, I will include uh, some references to where you can access the actual act itself, the changes uh, that are proposed by the Liberals, and also Chris is going to share some experiences and some insight on... uh, some things that happened to him when he appeared as a witness before the Parliamentary Standing Committee on Citizenship and Immigration, as some of those previous provisions were being enacted by the Conservative government. At any rate, Chris is going to share some great insight with us. I'm really looking forward to this interview. It was great to have him with us. So without further ado, I will jump to my interview with Chris. All right. Uh, Welcome uh, to Chris Veeman, who is... uh, a good friend and colleague that is practicing in the the beautiful land of Saskatchewan. How are you, Chris? Oh, I'm doing really well. Thanks. Awesome. It's great to have you here on episode 15 of the Canadian Immigration Podcast. Um, Chris is a member of the Law Society of Saskatchewan, so he is a practicing immigration lawyer. He graduated from the University of Toronto's Faculty of Law in 2003, and he also um, uh, served as a law clerk Um, uh, in the Federal Court of Canada to the Honorable Madam Justice Sandra J. Simpson. And he's been practicing immigration law since 2003. Uh, Chris was born, or I guess he's based in Saskatoon, his hometown, since 2004. And uh, that's kind of the time period, uh, I think we got started uh, pretty much right around the same time there, Chris. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, right. Um, Yeah, I'm not too far from where I... uh... I didn't fall too far from the tree. I'm about a kilometer away from where I was born. Awesome. And, uh, I can see the school where my kids are uh, attending right now. So <laughs> Very cool. That's awesome. Yeah, it's it seems like we're always pulled back to our roots, that's for sure. Yeah. I know I'm not too terribly far from uh you know from where I where I started at all. <laughs> <laughs> um in addition to uh the the clerking that he did, um Chris has been one of the um, significant advocates on the Canadian Bar Association 
uh, for pushing forward um, the the cause of our of our clients and uh, just the general causes that our Canadian Bar Association is um, is working on uh, as the government goes forward with various changes to immigration policy. Uh, Chris has been invited to appear as a witness before the Parliamentary Standing Committee on Citizenship and Immigration on several occasions, and I find that really interesting. Um, he's also had a chance to represent some pretty interesting clients um, in some high-profile refugee, immigration, and citizenship cases. So Chris is com- comes to the podcast today with a lot of experience, and uh, he's currently serving as an executive member on our National Immigration Section for the CBA, and he's been doing that for it looks like the last five years or so since 2012. And he also, in his spare time, uh, keeps up the chapter on the Saskatchewan Immigrant Nominee Program in uh, in the Carswell Text Provincial Nominee Programs in Canadian Immigration Law. So once again, Chris, welcome to the podcast. Well, thanks for the invitation. It's, uh, it's a good initiative that you've got going here. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about how you ended up getting into immigration. Yeah, well, I was uh, in in law school. I really didn't consider immigration to be, you know, it wasn't uh, a calling of mine at that time. In fact, uh, it was only after I got the clerkship at the federal court that I really became exposed to immigration and citizenship law. The federal court, as you know, does uh, uh, a heavy diet of immigration, refugee, citizenship cases. And uh, so before I went there, uh, in third year of law school, I decided, oh, okay, I should, learn a, I should learn something about this. So I took the class at the University of Toronto from Aud- Audrey Macklin, who's one of the well-known academics in Canadian immigration law. Uh, and then I, you know, I went to, the, to Ottawa for a year and, uh, and really enjoyed dealing with some of these cases from, I guess, behind the bench. Um, and, uh, and then... At, as part of a deal that I had made with my wife, we moved back to uh, to Saskatchewan in 2004, and it was from that point that I slowly started to uh, to build up uh, the immigration law practice, and um, and to the point where I was doing it full time about six six or seven years ago, and uh, and uh, now that's all I do. Excellent, that's really cool. And I know from my perspective, uh, the thing that drew me into immigration was the ability to make a difference in people's lives. And uh, you know, I started my career at one of the national firms, and um, litigation was well, it was full of a bunch of losers. And I don't, <laughs> I don't mean personally losers, but no one wins in a, in, you know, in litigation. There's, there's always no one's happy with the the result. And uh, when it came to the corporate work that I did, um, I worked a little bit on the securities floor. Oh my goodness, that was uh, the, the most dry, pouring uh, <laughs> type of work I could imagine. I just needed some human contact. And so immigration is kind of the best of all worlds. You, uh, you get to work with people and make a difference in their lives. And people are genuinely appreciative of what you do. Well, I, I, uh, yeah, before I was able to specialize completely in, in immigration, I... Uh, was doing a lot of labor and employment law. And there's, you know, there, you're certainly dealing with lots of people, but um, most of the time it's in very sort of unhappy, antagonistic situations. And uh, particularly on the, the labor labor side of things, it's, um, it's, it's a lot of conflict for the sake of conflict, if you know what I mean. Um, and so, yeah, immigration and citizenship is more satisfying to me. 
Um, because like you say, you can really have a, a big effect on someone's life. I mean, whether or not their spouse can come and live with them uh, in Canada or, you know, whether they're allowed to remain in the country or come here for the first time. I mean, these are all kind of life-changing events. So there's a high pressure practice, but it can be really rewarding. Absolutely. And that leads nicely into the topic that you and I are going to talk about today and, and really why I brought you on. You've had a lot to do with uh, some of the recent changes in our Citizenship Act, both with our previous government, the Conservative government, and some of the changes that they brought in to just to make uh, the, you know the citizenship process a little bit more um, difficult to obtain. I'll leave it at that. And now the change in tone with the Liberal government and uh, their attempts to unravel or undo some of the provisions that the Conservatives put in. So we're talking today a little bit about Bill C-6. So can you give us a little bit of background on on what this is and what the Liberal government is is trying to do? Yeah, so interestingly, you know, Canadian citizenship law uh, really has been pretty stable, I would say, over the past... or, or really between 1977 and roughly 2009, there wasn't a lot of, of change that happened. There was a big rewrite of the law in 1977 and some of the concepts like dual citizenship, um, the, the residency test that existed uh, during that time came into effect then. But really it wasn't a highly controversial area. But um, leading into, uh, you know, 2000. 9 to 2014 it, it started to get on the agenda a little bit more and, and of, just to jump in there why like what was the issue okay like, why, why yeah. did this conservative government feel they had to make changes to the to our citizenship law in canada well one of the first things that really happened um was the the issue of the lost canadians um, that really came to the forefront in 2000 uh, seven. Uh, there was a CBC series at that time on these lost Canadians, and so there was some. Uh, and basically, what that was was uh, people that were that had lived in Canada their whole life in some cases, but due to some quirks in the old in the in the citizenship law, they were not technically or legally citizens, and some of them were running into big problems, like being told told to leave the country. I had a client that had lived in Canada for 59 years, thinking he was a Canadian citizen and had voted in elections and <laughs> had a driver's license and his parents had received child tax benefit for him and all of these things. And and then he got into trouble with the law. He, he was actually uh, running a grow op, so he, he ended up at the pen. <laughs> and someone found out that he'd actually been born in the United States. And then, uh, you know, a week after he was born, he returned to Canada and everyone thought that he was a, a Canadian citizen. And then, of course, the, a deportation order was issued against him. Um, and so that was one of the examples of these lost Canadians. And um, at, in 2009, Parliament amended the, uh, the act to sort of fix a lot of those problems. Um, and that's still, that's still carried forward into uh, Bill C-24, which was the, the conservative government's uh, more substantial changes to the law, which was passed in 2014, and then which came into effect, uh, a lot of it came into effect in uh, 2015. So 
Um, so yeah, citizenship has really gotten back on the agenda in a big way, starting with Bill C-24. And of course, that was a, a big election issue, particularly the provisions dealing with the revocation of, of citizenship for people who have been uh, convicted of uh, national interest um, uh, infractions like terrorism, treason, etc. Huh. And so this was a time in which, you know, we have all of this ISIL and you know the 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 the, the global um, uh, I guess terrorist groups that are uh, unfortunately drawing in some of our our Canadian citizens to join their ranks and um, did that have a, a role to play in their decision to <clears throat> try to revoke citizenship of some of these dual citizens? Oh, for sure it did. I mean, we when you have Canadians uh, and, you know, other Westerners um, who are dual citizens traveling abroad and then joining some of these groups, um, the government, the Conservative government, thought it was uh, an appropriate uh, response to strip citizenship in those circumstances. Hmm. But, uh, but at the same time, so that was one thing that was going on, but at the same, the other time... Um, the citizenship acquisition process, so the grants of citizenship, had really bogged down. And by 2014, when the when Bill C-24 came into effect, it was a pretty dysfunctional system. I, uh, when I was in Ottawa talking about Bill C-6, I characterized that era as the Byzantine era of Canadian citizenship law because you you would file an application and it would just go into a bit of a a black hole or a, some type of bureaucratic maze, and people were waiting years and years to uh, to become citizens. And, um, and as you know, uh, it's hard to get information about what's happening with your file. So that that I characterize as the Byzantine phase, where you know, um, just very uh, very bureaucratic and slow. And Bill C twenty four. Um, did deal with a lot of that. Uh, to their credit, the 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 mechanisms and the, and the money that was put into citizenship in Bill C twenty four made things a lot faster uh, in terms of the grant of citizenship process. So instead of three or four years, people are are now getting citizenship. I've had a few clients that were processed in you know seven or eight months uh, under the new system. Um, so there was. Uh, some some of the changes in in terms of the test made it easier to process and also more money in terms of hiring people to process them changed it but so we we sort of switched from the byzantine phase to a bit of a what i call the kafkaesque phase under bill c24 where you know under this under bill c24 which is the law right now um you can have your citizenship revoked by uh, a government official uh, without any kind of hearing. So if you had, uh, you know, if there was an allegation that you misrepresented something on your citizenship application, you, you could just get uh, a letter in the mail and there, there you have it. You're not, a, you're not a citizen of Canada anymore. And, uh, so that's really, I think that's part of what people are reacting against, against, um, and something that the CBA was advocating, uh, against, in, hmm. still in relation to Bill C-6, because that part is still there. Right. And so this, I believe that, is that the national interest grounds for revocation? Is that kind of how they characterize that? So well, it's that, just... 
interestingly enough, like the national interest, that's the that's the uh, terrorism treaty mm-hmm. and all that. Uh, that's uh, got more process attached to it than someone who had misrepresented, say, say they uh, misrepresented their work history or something like that in their permanent residency application. That could follow through to their citizenship, and then they could have their citizenship revoked without a hearing. Wow, interesting. So, so the conservative government put in these provisions, and uh, and now, as part of some of the campaign promises of the liberals, they have, you know, they've pushed forward to to make some changes. And I guess Bill C six is is the way in which they're going to unravel some of the things they didn't like that were done by the conservatives. I remember um, Minister McCallum on a number of occasions indicating that uh, a Canadian is a Canadian is a Canadian, and you hear that quite frequently. And and so, what is he getting at with that statement? Well, with the, so the, the way that this uh, revocation on nat- national interest grounds works is that um, it only applies to people who are dual citizens. In other words, if they lost their Canadian citizenship, they would have another one to fall back on. Um, and so, you know, for someone like me who is uh, only a Canadian citizen, unfortunately, I, I didn't. I'm not able to claim citizenship anywhere else. Um, although it would be nice sometimes to be able to to think about, um, for example, living in Europe or something like that. Not as easy. So, but for people that have a second citizenship to fall back on, they are potentially subject to these revocation provisions. Uh, so for, for me, if I was convicted of some type of treason offense, I, I wouldn't be subject to loss of citizenship. But um, someone, uh, someone else, some, for, most commonly it's someone who naturalized, so someone who became a citizen of Canada and retained their, their citizenship in their country of origin, they would be subject to it. But it does also apply to people who are uh, born Canadian citizens, but also have a claim to uh, another citizenship. And, and this common example was uh, Israel. So Jewish people um, have a claim under the right of return to uh, Jewish citizenship, uh, sorry, to Israeli citizenship. And so they are uh, less secure in their Canadian citizenship than I would be. Um, and that's what I think the minister was getting at. All Canadians, once they're once they achieve Canadian citizenship, should be equal under the law. You bet. And, and the um, the former, I mean, there still will be ways to lose citizenship, even under if Bill C six is passed. And that's where, if you've obtained citizenship by misrepresenting something, so you committed maybe you committed fraud in terms of, uh, you know, saying you were resident in Canada when you actually weren't. Um, those things you can still lose your citizenship for. Um, but, you know, th- that I think most Canadians would accept that because you really shouldn't have been a citizen in the first place. You're right. I think I agree 100% with that. Yeah. And, and you think of the, the context, uh, you know, or the evil that the conservatives were trying to combat was, you know, people that were being, you know, convicted of, of terrorism or, you know, spying offenses or you know, things of, of a serious nature against, uh, you know, against Canada or otherwise. And um, there, I, I have to assume that the thought process was, well, you know, if, if you don't value your citizenship with this country, <laughs> then why should you have it? 
And uh, unfortunately, with a lot of those more knee-jerk reactions um, that aren't as well thought out, you then face a situation where policy and law is being created based on the exception versus, uh, you know, the the general rule. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think most Canadians uh, want to see the government taking action to, you know, to minimize the risk of terrorism attacks in Canada. And um, but I think the real question is, does this do that? Does does revoking citizenship really accomplish that? I mean, anyone convicted of a terrorism offense in Canada is going to go to jail for a long time. Yeah. Um, and so what happens to them when they get out of jail? If their citizenship is revoked, they are presumably going to get deported um, and they'll go back to uh, some other country where they, they may have citizenship. Um, you know, it's most terrorists that are going to try to uh, attack Canada, I would suggest, don't really care too much about uh, maybe getting a, a false passport and traveling on that and trying to, you know, trying to get into the country illegally and um, and committing a terrorist offense. So I don't really see how revoking citizenship changes much other than symbolically, you know, you're kicking someone out of our, of our Canadian uh, community, which I, I understand the attraction of that. But the, the other thing, the other thing that came up in the committee hearings uh, in Ottawa regarding this this issue is that you know let's say you had a, a dual citizen of, of Canada and the United Kingdom and this person is convicted of of a terrorism offense well the UK has a similar uh, revocation system on the on the books there so really where you're looking at there is a race between Canada and the United Kingdom to to see who can revoke citizenship first <laughs> So if Canada does it first, well, I guess the person goes to the UK, and then they can't have that citizenship revoked because they wouldn't have another one to fall another back to fall on. Back on. Hmm. And then, so really, that doesn't seem to make a lot of a lot of sense. <coughs> Excuse me. So yeah, there's a. I think it's mostly, uh, honestly, I think it's mostly a symbolic thing, um, the revo- revocation of citizenship. And we saw the government actually do this, implement this in re- in regards to one case that happened during the federal election, but uh, that's the only one. And, and I think the minister has said that that person will receive their citizenship back under Bill C-6. Hmm. So, Interesting. Okay, so so repealing these provisions on revocation is is the first, yeah, I guess, real main heading that we're talking about today, what, you know, that Bill C-6 is, is attempting to accomplish, is, is revoking these, you know, these grounds that only apply to dual nationals. Now, they've also indicated um, that they're looking at trying to eliminate the requirement that citizenship applicants must intend to continue to reside in Canada. So, so what are they getting at with that? Well, the intent to reside provision was something that was also brought in by Bill C-24. Um, and it's really, uh, it's an interesting one because... Obviously, once someone is a citizen of Canada, they have mobility rights under the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. They have the right to live in Canada. They can also, they have the right to leave Canada. And, you know, many citizens live abroad. Um, So this was, we, um, at the CBA, we thought this was a risky um, uh, requirement to have in the Citizenship, uh, Citizenship Act because people could, 
in theory be called on let's say let's say someone uh, applied for citizenship and said yes i intended to, to live in canada and then they got their citizenship and you know 6 months later uh, a relative in their home country gets sick they have to leave and they go back could the government of canada take action to strip citizenship based on a misrepresentation allegation well uh, it certainly seems like that could be a possibility um, and if not, if that's not the intention, then why why require this as a part of the application process? So, hmm. you I know, think, you know that's yeah. that's interesting um, because if you think about it in the context of someone who comes over um, for a temporary purpose, for example, they come over on a temporary resident visa, and then once they get here, and, and we see this happen in Alberta. They come over on a TRV and then they're here and then someone says, hey, how would you like to work for my fast food franchise? And they say, hey, that would be great. Um, okay, well, how do I get a work permit? Well, once I give you this LMIA thing, then head down to the border and you can get a work permit. And some of our ports of entry were taking the position that, well, you must have misrepresented your intention to come as a visitor if now you're applying for a work permit. And we saw all kinds of crazy things happening at the border with individuals, um, you know, being given uh, an, uh, an ATL and allowed to leave and a deferred, uh, deferred examination to pack up your things and head out. And, uh, you know, all on the grounds that, you know, they had fraudulently, um, you know, concealed their true intention. And so it is totally within the realm of possibility uh, that, you know, an official could take that position that, uh, you know, that a person didn't really intend to reside. It's so subjective. In its very nature. Well, how, yeah, intention is such a like. How can you actually know someone's intention? I mean, um, it's impossible to measure in an application. And so, yeah, I think it's a it's a difficult thing to have in an application to to require someone to signal that intention. Hmm. So now, what? I mean, so what do the liberals intend to do then? Well, that part that part of Bill C twenty four is going to be uh, repealed. Mm -hmm. So that's a pretty straightforward. Uh, uh, change and it's also going to be retroactive in the sense that it'll be deemed never to have applied to anyone who applied uh. after June 11th, 2015, which is when the Bill C-24 provision came in to effect. So it's it's going to be like it never happened. Very cool. Very cool. All right. So the next item, I guess, that we we know have the, the Liberals have presented in terms of their intention um, is to better facilitate pathway to citizenship for international students and, you know, other temporary residents uh, by allowing time spent in Canada prior to becoming a permanent resident to count towards that physical presence requirement. So, so what is the rule, I guess, currently when it comes to being eligible for citizenship as, as someone who comes as a, a foreign worker or through that means obtains permanent residence and then wants to apply for citizenship? Like, what is, what is this... Uh, this physical presence requirement. What is uh, what are the government? What's the government getting at with that? Okay. Well, from 1977 until 2014, the test was that you had to be resident uh, in Canada for the equivalent of three out of four years uh, prior to your application. The term resident was never defined in the act, and it became that was one of the main reasons that the citizenship processing got really backlogged is that there's um, there's different definitions of residency there's tax residency there's um, 
legal like immigration residency uh, and then there's what tended to be the actual test as things went along was physical presence and so in bill c24 one of the changes that the you know the conservative government introduced was to uh, require physical to define residence as physical presence so in the past where someone could have you know lived in canada for eight months of the year and spent you know spent the remainder on you know living in a, in a warmer climate let's say the winter um, and you know could have made a claim that well they were resident in canada for uh for those three years even though they vacationed south of the border for example well now it's clear that you need to physically be in in canada for and and the other thing that changes is that, that the actual test went up to 1460 days which is four years in the prior six years uh, so that's currently the law is that you have to be physically present for that period of time now with bill c6 it's going to be tweaked a little bit more and it would be physical presence of three years or 1095 days in the five years prior to the date of application so it's a little bit less time in canada um, and a little bit more flexibility i guess in terms of spending time outside of the country now to get back to the question of uh, making it easier for international students and foreign workers um, again, this requires a bit of, of history, but prior to 2000, uh, to Bill C-24, under the old act, um, temporary residents could claim half-time credit for, uh, for time in Canada as a legal temporary resident. Bill C-24 took that away, so those 1,460 days or four years had to be in Canada as a permanent resident. So let's say a student came and finished a bachelor's degree in four years, and then was able to become a permanent resident after that, it's only after that uh, obtaining permanent residence that they start to accumulate citizenship days. Bill C-6, so this is the new change uh, that's before Parliament currently, would restore that half credit for uh, temporary residents. Um, and it, it means that uh, up to one year, that is. Mm -hmm. So it means that you could, let's say, do your uh, degree and then become a permanent resident. You'd still have to spend two years in Canada as a permanent resident, but you could get partial credit for the time, <laughs> the time before. Interesting. So it's a bit of a restoration to the way things were prior to Bill C-24. Right. So, so effectively, um, because of the time you had spent here in a temporary resident status, you could count each half day... Um, well, each full day would be counted as a half day towards meeting that physical presence. And, and so effectively, after becoming a permanent resident, you could qualify really in as early as two years for citizenship. That's right. If you if you had spent two years in Canada as a temporary resident prior to becoming a permanent resident, hmm. then you can shorten your waiting time. And I mean, I, you know, I, I don't know that... Like, the whole purpose of the physical presence or the residency test is that people... Um, acclimatize I guess or you know become socialized a bit in terms of what being a Canadian is yeah become Canadianized right yeah they they become a uh, they know what it is to be a Canadian and so you know being a student here or a temporary foreign worker here should help in that uh, yeah. I mean, you're spending time in the country so uh, I don't know what the rationale was really for removing that in bill c24 
other than, you know, just to make it, um, and I think this was the, the, the explanation was, you know, citizenship is, a, is an important special thing um, and it shouldn't be easy to get. So that's what the conservatives were, uh, I think, aiming for is to say people will value it more if it's harder to get. And that, that makes sense because right now, the way the law is, a, an international student that um, becomes a permanent resident would need to wait four years or at least show that they had been physically present in Canada for four years before they could apply for citizenship, correct? Yeah, so if you take this, you know, it's basically a two-year, uh, let's see, the two-year difference. Um, so they would have, let's say they did a four-year degree and then they became a permanent resident right away, which is not exactly how it works, but just for the, the sake of, of argument. Mm-hmm. Um, so under the current system, four years of studying and then four, four more years. So they're in Canada eight years before they could apply. Yes. Under the new, the proposed uh, new test, they would be here, let's say the four years for, this, for the degree, and then another two years um, in, in order to get their citizenship. So, it, you know, it's a significant difference. Hmm. Yeah, they, and so you can clearly see how, uh, you know, a number of the, the policies that are being um, reintroduced uh, by, the, by the Liberal government are gaining quite a bit of favor <laughs> with, our, with our clients and um, and uh, it'll be interesting to see. Have they given us any indication uh, as to when Bill C six um, will actually become law? Well, um, it's diff- that's difficult to know, but um, and so I can't really answer that. But I know that they were the committee was doing its clause by clause analysis uh, recently, which is one of the last stages. I don't believe there's any more witness appearances scheduled. Um, so it, it's getting close to uh, to being finalized, and with a, a majority, um, it should go through quickly. Um, a lot of these uh, changes are also going to be, some of them anyway, are going to be retroactive, like the intent to reside, the revocation provisions. Um, however, you know the the grant of citizenship uh, changes are not. So you know the the sooner that they come in, I guess the more people will be able to benefit. Well, Chris, this has been really wonderful. We really appreciate the time you've taken to share some insight with us, and we've covered pretty much the high points of the upcoming changes that people can see coming down the pipe with respect to obtaining Canadian citizenship. Now, is there anything else that we haven't covered yet that you think might be uh, of interest and and use to our listeners? Well, I guess I would just encourage people to, um, to study this Bill C-6, um, and to get involved with uh, their MP, uh, for example, to to um, put forward their views on what they think Canadian citizenship law should be. I uh, I've, I'm a little bit nervous about the way that citizenship law has become a bit of a political football over the past few years. Um, you know, it's dangerous when uh, citizenship law is something that becomes a political um, a tool. And uh, I think that's thwarted when can, when individuals uh, get interested in what our citizenship c- citizenship should look like, and express those views to their MPs. Um, I think the next time that big changes to citizenship law come into uh, are, are being contemplated, there should be a broad consultation across the country, um, not just a bill introduced in Parliament, 
uh, as was done with Bill C-24. I think with Bill C-6, it's a little bit more understandable in the sense that, um, you know, there are certain changes in Bill C-24 that are that were arguably unconstitutional and needed to be changed uh, right away. But uh, but for others, I think it's better to to broaden the discussion beyond just uh, beyond just uh, immigration lawyers and and uh, the government. So um, with that, thanks a lot for inviting me, and I hope that it's been useful. Yeah, this has been great. We really really uh, appreciate the time that you've taken. Um, so. We're, we're appreciative of, of Chris Veeman, who's been here with us talking about the upcoming changes to Canadian citizenship law. And Chris, if our listeners want to reach out to you, they've got some more questions or they've got issues really that, that, that require a little bit of um, legal representation, how can they reach you? Well, um, probably the easiest way is by email. My email is chris at veemanlaw.com or um, you can find me on, on the web at vemanlaw.com. So uh, pretty easy to find. Hopefully it's an unusual last name, so that makes it easier. Well, um, we'll make sure we put uh, your contact information within the show notes for, for the podcast so it'll be easy for people to find you. So we'll take care of that for sure. Okay, well, thanks a lot. Great. Well, thanks, Chris. And uh, hopefully maybe when this, um, you know, Bill C-6 becomes law, we'll invite you back on to uh, to confirm exactly what, is our current, uh, will, will then be our current uh, law on citizenship. Okay, well, thanks. I look forward to that. All right, take care. Okay, bye-bye. All right, well, there you have it. That was the interview that I had with Chris Veeman. It was great. It was informative. We went through and we covered basically some of the high points that the Liberals are looking at uh, pushing through with respect to Canada's Citizenship Act. Uh, essentially, there are three main areas, and uh, in summary... The first was that they are planning on repealing provisions within the Citizenship Act that allow dual citizenship to be revoked for people um, you know, that have or currently hold dual citizenship. So that's being revoked. They're looking at eliminating the requirement that citizenship applicants must intend to continue to reside in Canada. And finally, they're going to facilitate some new pathways or at least revert back to the old ones where international students and other temporary foreign workers and, and other temporary residents in Canada uh, will be once again allowed to count time spent in Canada towards the physical presence requirements for citizenship. So these are really wonderful developments for people. In essence, some of the changes are going to allow people to qualify for citizenship up to two years faster than they would otherwise under the current regime. So we'll watch this carefully. We'll see what happens and I will be sure to bring Chris back on once it becomes law to give us a little update on what made it through uh, to become law and what was dropped from the process as Bill C-6 was deliberated and finally brought into law in this fine country. Well, thanks so much for listening. Another great episode, and I look forward to bringing on future guests to cover the latest in Canadian immigration law policy, and practice. This is Mark Holthy, your host, signing off for the Canadian Immigration Podcast. See you soon. Thank you for listening to the Canadian Immigration Podcast, your trusted source for information on Canadian law, policy, and practice. If you would like to contribute a question for future podcasts or wish to set up a legal consultation with Mark, please visit www.ht-llp.com.
Canada, greatest country.